we're talking about COVID reinfections, and we're hearing more and more that people are getting reinfected. What are you hearing, doctor? Yes, COVID seems to be skyrocketing right now, and many folks that we take care of at the Center for Precision Medicine have called to say not only are they infected, but their partner is, children are, and it just seems ubiquitous at this point. Why do you think this is happening? Is this just the nature of COVID or certain people or who, who is getting reinfected? Do we have an exact demographic? I'm not sure that that's the case. But it appears that COVID, maybe not unlike the flu, is shared very readily. And of course, there are trends that we're seeing. People are no longer hiding in their homes. They're not wearing masks anymore. They're going to big events, you know, whether it's games, baseball games, mm-hmm. or they're going to parties or parades, even if you go back to, yeah. you know, Memorial Day, now July 4th. The notion that we have to hide and to stay well has come and gone. And people realize there are ways to manage it. And most of those folks are in pretty good shape. In fact, many of them have had COVID before. And because, you know, I travel um, West Coast and mm-hmm. to Palo Alto and down to Florida, it's very easily seen in the airports, for example, where people are literally bumper to bumper. I also think what's happened as another trend, maybe uh, more scientifically, is that the newer variants seem to be highly contagious, but maybe not as deadly as it was in the beginning. And perhaps the reasons for that are vaccinations and boosters, both positive and negative in that perhaps vaccinations and boosters don't last as long in some folks as they might in others. But the COVID virus has definitely evolved and just may be highly contagious because of that. Think of the common cold or flu. We're not surprised when someone says, I have a cold or I have a flu. I think COVID is in that category now. It's still pretty scary, particularly in individuals who are not really healthy under the surface, because as they get reinfected, they actually get sicker and sicker. Epigenetics, we've talked about that before and uh, how COVID relates. Our body is made up, as you know, of DNA. And believe it or not, there are just four amino acids, A, T, C, and G, Mm -hmm. that make up the whole human genome. And as a result of that, we express diseases that run in our family and also diseases that are exacerbated by the way we live. Epigenetics are the genes that can change in our body. And they're either due to established history, like, Mm -hmm. for example, one thing you might not realize is the age of your mother when you were born can affect your what we call biological age, and that is a result of epigenetics, but it's a factor you can't change, right? You can't go back and change (laughs) what age you were. On the other hand, the way you eat or sleep or work out, maybe even restorative practices, the stress you have in your life is perhaps treated by massage or qigong or meditation, that actually can change the expression of genes themselves, and that's epigenetics. And it turns out that we can measure changes in your system to see you get younger for your chronological age, meaning maybe you're 60 or 50, but we might see you as 30 or 35 internally, biologically. On the other hand, we may also see an advanced biological age. So it probably correlates with where you've seen people who look like they've aged beyond their years. 
And that might be somebody who internally also has done that. And I was just reading about an actress who had eating disorder issues and anorexia. She was saying that she's 22, but that internally she has osteoporosis and she has the bones of an 80-year-old. Yeah, and I, I published in that arena, actually, and it's absolutely true. And particularly if you're anorexic young, sometimes it's hard to recover. If you have other reasons to have osteoporosis, for example, it runs in your family, you're Asian or you're Caucasian with blue eyes. And those are factors. Those are both genetic variants in terms of what our DNA says, but the epigenetic piece of it is how we express those genes. Think of it as an over laying surface or wrapping around our genes that can change and move and is fluid and dynamic. So if you want to actually read more about it, there's a great article in National Geographic from January 2012 that talks about twins, identical twins being born, but then being different. One of them, I remember one set of the twins were on the spectrum and one of the children was already reading. He was eight years old. They were eight years old at the time, reading, doing what they needed to do with an iPad. And the other one was unable to get that far. He was still expressing behavior, flapping. Mm -hmm. And the second twin, he had been infected on and off throughout the first year of life and in and out of the hospital. Whereas the first twin was born, was fine, was home. And so different ways of living or different infections can actually also cause different expression of your genes. And that's that's the definition of epigenetics. COVID may cause changes that affect the way our genes work. Exactly. And plus the changes in COVID, the bug itself, what it picks up, how it evolves, could be making it more um, contagious. Personally, I recall getting COVID. You know, I was one of the first yes. March 2020, brave of me, right? Mm-hmm. Flying back from San Francisco, but no one around me caught it from me. Now, that could be a personal thing. It could be the way I am as a human being, mm-hmm. you know, how sterile, sterile was important, but I don't believe so because I was exposed to my partner. I was exposed to my niece who happened to be a physician at Downstate and exposed to my entire office and no one caught COVID. Yet if you move a year factor into 2021, almost any exposure, 10, 15, 20 minutes. And I saw it happen in my own family and I saw it happen in our patients at the center. And so I think there are changes that are happening within COVID that make it different and easily more reinfected along with the trends that we're seeing in society. No masking, people at big gatherings, not being as cautious as we were before. But here's where it's really a little scary. The data that we research shows that if you were under 50, now this is chronologically speaking, and you got COVID and did well with it, then you probably affected your, your immune system came into play. And usually folks under 50 got younger epigenetically, <laughs> biologically speaking. So their chronological age may be 40, let's say, but after covid and even a vaccination, their age drops. Wow. <laughs> and one of the theories behind our paper, and this was done with some very famous people. Um, I was one of the authors as well, were Joanna and Chris here in the center. It wasn't a very large study. So it was more of the order of a pilot study mm-hmm. because of the numbers of patients. They were, I believe, under 50 patients. And we also looked at pre and post vaccination. And the theory there is that the immune system 
in the young recover faster. And when you rev up the immune system with more killer cells, you may be doing other good stuff to your body and it's retained. But perhaps that's part of what we're really seeing. So skip to the not so good part <laughs> if you're over 50. And of course, we, the two of us don't have to worry about that yet. Um, <laughs> you get older afterwards. So you survive, but your body ages faster. So your biological age goes up. So you might be 55 and your biological age would be read as 60 or 70. Now, again, the immune system is coming into play because we know that was critically important in folks who didn't do well with COVID. The mm -hmm. second week or two, inflammation would take over their body, their lungs, and literally cause a lot of death and dying and very ill people. But the immune system perhaps can't survive so many attacks. And maybe when health is compromised under the surface, which it is as we age, unless we do something about it, that could be the reason that the immune system does a great job rescuing you from COVID, but then collapses after that. It's a weakened immune system. Maybe we're fighting battles on too many fronts. So if you're a diabetic under the surface and you get COVID, you have to rise to fight that infection, but maybe afterwards you're not quite as healthy. If you take that and extrapolate further, long COVID or symptoms that just don't go away could be a signal to that, that let's take a look inside, let's make sure that there's no other issues that are undermining your ability to function. It really gives another reason for precision medicine so that we are addressing what may be beneath the surface and we'll probably do better even if we do get COVID or, or some disease that we're also fighting on top of everything else we have. Exactly, exactly. Precision medicine, which you take data about a person under the surface, their biomarkers, for example, what is their sugar? What is their risk of heart disease based on cholesterol? And you look at those factors, we already know there's truth to that because diabetics got COVID when they got COVID, they were four times as likely to be on a respirator in a hospital. But if you were a diabetic and didn't know it, you were actually eight times as likely to need a respirator and not do so well. So the whole notion that the immune system underlying this can affect your epigenetic changes in your genes and not only, you know, lead to, are you going to be reinfected? Are you going to survive? What about other illnesses that come out of it? But how do you survive with COVID? Do you end up with long COVID? Those are all serious questions along with what is your nutrient status? Are you somebody who has enough zinc in your body and copper so that those are the agents that also work to protect your health? And that's not something we know. It's not on the surface of our body. It's deep inside. So precision medicine allows us to collect that data and look at each person as the individual they are and how can we help them get so healthy that even if they get COVID, they don't get really sick. And that's what we see in our population. Our patients get COVID. They got COVID the first year at the center. No one went to the hospital, not one patient. The patient's ages range from teens to the 80s. So it was impressive to us by studying each person and making sure we understand their makeup, both epigenetically, metabolically, hormonally, we can make a difference. And now we want to bring it to the world. You know about yes, Grok, about Grok, Grok. Before we get to Grok, what, uh, one quick question. What about people who haven't gotten COVID? It's two plus years. Is it just 
they're lucky? Can you explain that? And and is it just inevitable that they'll probably get COVID sooner or later? Great question. I don't like it when people say to me, I've never gotten COVID. I'm not going to get it because inevitably they get it. They get it. Could it be that they don't have COVID that they they haven't had COVID that they know of? Maybe they had it, but a real mild form. Uh, Could that be? Yes. And so we've seen that. We've had families where one person looks immune. And when you test them for the antibodies that you could see against COVID, they have them. Yeah. And so we know that, that they had a mild case or they just were asymptomatic because all of us express the symptoms differently. Yes. Even, you know, we see couples now and one is not doing so well with the low oxygen content, coughing all the time, feeling run down. And the other one goes through it like a breeze. One mm. day they don't feel well, they have what's like a cold. So that is absolutely one of the expressions that I agree with the theory mm. that people could get it and not know sick. I think there are people who have not gotten COVID, and there's a lot of theories about that. Are they naturally immune? Uh, Did they somehow do everything right and their system is so strong that they resist infection? Do they have the kind of makeup, and I mean phenotypically, the way they breathe and work out and the way they take care of themselves? The bugs may be around them, but they don't take root like where people, some people get the flu mm-hmm. and die from the flu and other yeah. people don't even get it in the same yeah. household. So I believe that there will be people who come through it without getting COVID, like when we look maybe in the 10-year retrospective, 2030. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, the Omicron variant that's out there now seems to be highly infective. And the number of reinfections have actually increased. And I've seen people who believe they never had it get diagnosed with COVID. Also recall that now that vaccinations and boosters are out there, it may be that if you're vigilant about your vaccinations and you really get a booster every six months, independent of whether you look at your antibodies or not, another thing we do at the center because we want to see if protection is actually there. It's not 100% foolproof, but it gives us some guidance. So the variants themselves may change over time and that that kind of infection, what we think of as breakthrough infections among vaccinated people can happen. But of Mm -hmm. course, unvaccinated people are going to be far more at risk. Grok, I think that once again, your timing is incredible. Well, you know, this goes back to a long time ago, over Mm -hmm. 20 years ago. But in 2013, you and I first met was when I wrote my first book, I'm now working on another one. The first Keep It Up for Men was because there was so little out there for men. Men Mm -hmm. really need to know more about themselves. And there's so much on women, even though women's health, I believe, needs a makeover, a serious makeover for the same reason. That is, the more you know yourself, the healthier you're going to be if you can put certain actions into, into your life whether it's making a decision that you know if you uh, work out two or three times a week, even take a ride on a bike or go for a walk, your health is going to be better. The data we find out about each human being makes a life-changing difference. So in our studies that show that if we can tackle the issues that are going on under the surface, whether it's your metabolism and instead of having a lot of muscle, you have too much visceral fat and you have fat that invades your liver or your cholesterol or your carbohydrate metabolism is not quite what it should be. 
And that's expected in almost everyone. If we can somehow make the quality of your life and your health improve so that when you do get COVID or any of the other bugs that are going to come along or already here, you will actually get through it and thrive. That's the goal. Let's get all of us healthy enough to act like we're under 50. And frankly, I prefer under 35 as a cutoff because then we know that we have the tenacity to survive and we have the ability to be healthy for the rest of our lives. And that may require some work. And that's what Brock is. Brock is our attempt to scale what we do for a very small percentage of the population at the Center for Precision Medicine to the world. Because I know if some of this data were understood, people would go about their lives a little differently. For example, not everybody would fast because fasting isn't a fit for everybody. Even if we hear intermittent fasting, that's the thing to do. Yes, it works for some, but not for everybody. If somebody wants to investigate Grok, what would they do? Well, they can go to Grok Health, G-R-O-Q, health.com, and see what we're all about. There's also a sign-up list, a waiting list, because we're right now in the beta testing the app. It's going to all be on an app where we gather information. We actually prescribe what is a continuous glucose monitor. It tells a person what their glucose is at any time of day or night. That is incredible. No, it's amazing. Uh, We've been using it for years at the center. And the changes, it helps you understand your own body at the time you're doing stuff. So if you ask yourself, oh, I'm going to go for a bike ride and I'm going to make it a nice long one. Let me see what my sugar is before and after. What is it doing to me? Or you like ice cream like I do. I can practically live on it (laughs) and dark chocolate. Uh Um, And you like, like bananas and apples and watermelon and mango. You can find out what each of those things does to your body, both separately and even you can have a whole meal or work out doing weights and aerobics and find all sorts of insights to exactly how your body performs. And that will help gear you towards how you pick and choose your daily life even to get healthier and healthier. And that's really the goal. And that's what, again, our evidence-based scientific data, which is longitudinal. We've studied individuals for close to 20 years, officially, and Mm -hmm. before that, even longer. And the data is incredible. We have people who are in their 60s and no one believes they're a day over 40 and they feel like they're 25 or 30. Wow. So they will tell me things like they they play basketball, full court basketball, close to 60 and I'll say, they're close to 60 and I'll say, hey, are you feeling, you know, better now playing? Do you feel like you're back to 30 or 35? And they'll say, oh no, I actually feel better than I did then. <laughs> and so it's, blows me away. It's why I stay stay passionate. You are the Elon Musk of medicine. (laughs) What's really funny is people want me to tell the story as if it's Tesla. And I'm excited by that. It confuses me a little because I've lived this for so long. Yes. Thinking, yes, we can do this in bricks and mortar, but can we deliver it to the world through an app? Because, you know, even in Africa, where they couldn't lay down lines for telephones, a cell phone made a difference. Can you imagine what an app could do if an app can help guide your health and really look at you as an individual? COVID showed us we need, we need virtual medicine. COVID was a turning point because virtual medicine came into being with even approvals where you can cross state lines. 
then also the comorbidities. It's the comorbidities I'm talking about under the surface that do us in. We don't wake up one day with a heart attack or a stroke or Alzheimer's. It's been brewing under the surface for decades, and we can actually predict it. That's what my data has shown.